Okay. Didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I did. <laughs> Not surprising. <laughs> uh, welcome to. Uh, excuse me. Hang on. Forgot where I was. <laughs> That's I need awesome. a guitar. Like, look at the back of the guitar. You know, oh, this, this is we the can get you one. We have. He's got a whole bunch back there. Just a couple. <laughs> like six or seven. I think. There's one over there too. <laughs> oh, welcome to Scuttlebutt Podcast. I'm Rich Mellon, and today I have some very special guests. I have Lyle and Carrie Lou Scoble, and uh, you are the owners of Sis and Furs here in Red Deer. You guys just celebrated a very special anniversary. Well, it's coming up. It's in November, actually, but it's 70 years. 70 years. Yeah. 70 years of being in business as a furrier. Um, well, not us, obviously. But, <laughs> um, my dad has been not a furrier. Not you, but he could have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, my dad's been a furrier for almost 60 years. Yes. So I've been around it my whole life. Uh, the Sissons originally started this business in 1948. My dad bought it in 1996, and we've been paying for it for about the last 15 years. So Okay. Yeah. So has it always been here in Red Deer? Yes. Yes. Yeah. It started off in um, uh, the back of a little lady's dress shop on Little Gates uh, in 1948, and then I think two years later it moved to this location. No kidding. Yeah. And so it's been here for, for 68 years in yeah. this store. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, City Hall used to store all their records in our vault back in the day. No kidding. Yeah, at the end of every day, they'd bring all their records here and put them in the vault and lock it up for the night and come <laughs> and pick them up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's fascinating. Well, one of the things that we like to do when we uh, on the podcast is to give us a little bit of background about the people. So tell us about yourselves. I mean, uh, obviously, you're in fur. Uh, are you in the life? Do you, do you trap? Do you hunt? Do you fish? I hunt and I fish. Um, I don't trap. Um, I do all the fur finishing, so I work with fur all day long. I don't have time to trap. Yeah. I'd love to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not uh, not trapping. Never really been into it, but always definitely uh, supported it. As we know, the country was founded on on the fur trade and trapping, and um, so I've always always just liked fur uh, right i used to have beaver pelts when i was or i mean uh, uh rabbit pelts when i was a kid and i'd put all my trophies on them and stuff and that just kind of grew when i met my wife and <laughs> I, I found this family and uh they kind of converted me into a furrier <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so but you do hunt i mean i, yep. I I've, I've met your uh your lab yep. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's a very he's a very eager hunter you yep. you have to hunt with him yeah Yep. Is, that, is that mostly what it is then, birds? or uh, With the dog, yeah. I do uh, ducks, geese, pheasants with him, partridge. And then uh, uh, I'll do big game myself too. Okay. have to leave the dog at home. That hurts. That's the, the biggest downfall of big game is you have to leave the dog at home. That's Yeah. That hurts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I know. Yeah. That's an argument we've been having here in Alberta for years. But uh, how, so how's the season been going this year for you? Good, good. Uh, I've been... Some We've got some geese and ducks and pheasants and in the freezer yep. for sure. Yep. Good. <laughs> yeah. I, I know. I know the migratory has just hit. Yep. They just hit Grand Prairie. We're uh, we're in Red Deer, so I live about six hours north of here, and uh, the the migratories have just, just the weather nice. just got bad enough to push them that far. And everybody's hoping for it to warm up a I little bit so they hang around hang around a while. Yeah, right? here, yeah, because <laughs> it hasn't been cold enough that they've moved up north much, right? So. Yeah. Everybody says the Northerns are through here already. I said, no, they have They no. barely started. No, yeah. No, <laughs> yeah, barely started. You've got you've got lots of them coming yet. Like it's funny because we were we were trapping rats on the weekend, and uh, some of the sets uh, that we put out there, we have a, a carrot. I can't use an apple. An apple's the worst thing. But even a, even a carrot, uh, ducks and geese will peck at right. Oh, really? So they don't ever get caught in a trap or anything, but they'll take all your bait. <laughs> 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 it's like a bad fishing trip. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never knew that. Cost some money. It's like when you're trying to fish and they're in the way, it's like, oh, I want to fish right 
there. <laughs> Except the dog you're in. sliding around in their poop on the banks. Yeah. Yeah. So much goose poop on the banks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when it, uh, you, you you talk about your, uh, you know, you're doing your upland and that, and you've always been um, like big game hunters? I, you know, I just got into big game probably just under 10 years ago, probably. Yeah. But I've always, always grown up uh, chasing pheasants. And yeah. That was, that's the main thing I always grew up doing. So pheasants, you're, you're a southern boy? I was born and raised in Calgary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I can tell. Yeah. I can tell. That's He's awesome. got an accent too, doesn't he? <laughs> 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 so I got a Calgary accent? Yeah. <laughs> now you're, down now you're talking about pheasants. There's none of them up here. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> If you're, if, you're, if you're raised up chasing pheasants, you've you're from the south. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. I've heard it's even better the farther south you go. Oh, I got friends in uh, the Dakotas. Oh, oh nice. Oh, yeah, north and south Dakota, and, that, and it, it's just crazy. Yeah, that'd wow. be that'd be interesting to hunt down there, boy. <laughs> it's hard on hard on a pickup truck driving across there at, at, at daylight, you know, just at dusk and at dark, because that's when the pheasants are flying, and you'll lose... Lose the grill out of your truck every time. Oh, wow. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's crazy. Wow. <laughs> it's crazy. That'd well, be I nice to see you're hitting them on that. the highway. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Jeez. That would be so weird I wish to we see. had that problem here. Yeah. That'd be a good one to have, eh? Well, we yeah. Get, you got to search for those buggers now. We get too many uh, cold winds in the wintertime. Yeah. Yeah. And the pheasant, where they actually come from, they're a, a swamp bird. Yep. In China. And they, they, they hear... When the wind comes up and the, uh, they they get up and fly in it and they and they freeze to death. Yeah. They freeze their lungs. They don't have yeah. that. Uh, they don't have the the uh, like grouse legs. Where yeah, got the oh. feathers. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, on the the webbing. The webbing isn't as good on the pheasants, right? So tell us then how how long ago did you two meet? Twenty three years ago. Twenty three years ago. Yeah. Twenty three. Wow. You moved in with me 23 years ago, last in September. Mm-hmm. In hunting season. As a season. roommate. In hunting season. About oct- it was about October in hunting season, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. End of September and then my birthday. And yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> we, we seem to, we got along well, so. Yeah. Well, that's good. Well, I set him up with all my friends first. I tried to get rid of them. <laughs> <laughs> Girls like you are hard to find today, let me tell you. Just let me have a little fun first, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) she was born into the into the fur business. How did you get into it? Just through them. I I mean uh probably about fifteen years ago or so I'd heard that your father needed some help or or I just started coming up because you were helping your dad and. Uh, yeah, my well, he didn't have a fur finisher. He was short staffed, um, so I came up to start helping him with that. Explain fur finisher. So any fragile fur that need that has a rip in it and needs hand sewing. So I do all the hand sewing. Um, I close the coats. I open them. I fix the the okay. rips. The explain, Keska hooks. Explain close and open. Um, so I have to undo all the lining oh, to get okay. at the skins okay. where the rips are. Yes. So then I'll fix the rips and patch them if I need to. Okay. Do all that and then close the coat, put the lining back together, close it all up so it looks brand new again. It, it's a remarkable talent. And I, I, would, I wish I had your ability when I'm sewing up my fur. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody brings me a coyote that they've shot and I'm trying to trying to. Yeah, erase a, a two forty three hole in it, <laughs> you know, big old tear in that. And I mean, a blind man can see it. When your coats are done, nobody can see that. That that that's remarkable the way you 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 blend in a, a repair in that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little bit of work. It takes a little while to figure out how to. If you if you sew fur right, you won't know that you touched it. That's right. Yeah. yeah. If you don't sew it right, you're going to see every imperfection that's there. Okay, and so yeah. you were you were that you were doing that you were doing the, the finishing. Yeah, I was doing the finishing because he was short staffed, and I was only working four days a week doing hair. I'm also the fourth generation hairstylist in my family, so oh, wow. I did that for a lot of years. Um, and then when he was short staffed, I started driving up here, and we had a foster kid at the time, and so while I was staying back, and then 
started bringing Lyle and the foster son up, started more and more coming up here. And uh, my dad said he was going to sell the business. And I said, well, could yeah, I buy but, it? But Joanna retired way before Oh, yeah, that. yeah. And then Joanna, the, the, fur, the furrier, after 25 years here, retired. With very short notice. With a couple of weeks' notice that, hey, like, you know, we, oh, we have an opportunity. Would you mind? And being the person that she was, and she was a really good member of our family because that's what it becomes after a yeah. while. Yeah, so yeah. Um, she taught Lyle for a couple of weeks before mm. she left. She was trained leather in England. Yeah, she, she learned leather in England and then came here, and she learned how to become a furrier from Ted Sisson, the original owner. And then I uh, worked for my dad for a number of years and trained Lyle. And then we sent Lyle to Montreal a couple times for some more training. So I've got very, very, very deep, deep roots in training through this business. I've got very, very old, uh, uh, old techniques. Yeah, we do a lot of old school stuff here. Like Okay, now explain to me, though. So the, then it's not so much uh, a trade as a guild? You're learning from, from other masters. Is that yeah? Is mm -hmm. that yeah? Yeah. 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 There's not a school you go to. You, you're learning um, from a master. Well, I know that they do do some fur design in at uh, McGill. I believe it is in okay. Montreal. Okay. Um, that's kind of where the fur trade really blossomed. That's where most of our coats come from today and stuff like that. Your is is Montreal, and then from there, so they're all made in Canada. Um, that's important to us. We, right. we want Canadian products in our store. 95% of what we carry is made in Canada. Well, that's good. But, yeah, so you learn either you can go to Montreal for a little bit of training, but you mostly are going to learn from your your old furriers that are around. and Yeah, picking the brains of the, the picking old their furriers. And <laughs> so when you talk about old school yeah. versus new school, what's the difference? What are we talking about? You know, like what? What would be a, a major? Well, when it comes to fur cleaning, a lot of your your newer places are using um, a machine that'll do your glazing for you. We don't uh, hand glazing's an old, more labor intensive type of glazing. At the end of cleaning your fur, you brush it all out. You use a stick, and you're using some steam, and you're standing all your fur back up on end. So it gives you a much better gloss than sticking it in a machine and it coming back out. Okay. usually gets too much steam in the machine. Yep. You need to control it. And that's hard it. on your court. So we don't want to do that. We want to keep it the okay. old way. Um, we don't um, use a lot of machines. All the furriers I've been taught by are, I mean, geez, minimum of 60 yeah. something <laughs> plus. So you're you're the new kid on the block? Yeah, yeah. I think... Oh, out west here, anyways. I think I think there's a lot of new programs coming up where there are a lot of new uh, designers using fur, and yep. they're um, being supported by the Fur Council yes. um, of Canada. So um, a lot of stuff that fizzled out is is starting to sprout up in new, different ways. Like uh, they're having stuff like uh, Remix. Canada Remix. So they have a bunch of designers, and they'll take old coats and redesign something funky and new and completely different and then they have a competition on that and okay uh, i'd love to do that kind of stuff but of course we we service Time. too many coats here so <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it i mean fur is making a uh, is making a good big comeback I yeah mean, after the yeah. after the what what was the the 80s the 90s the, was 80s, the darkest? late 80s yeah. yeah was the darkest period where where everybody got crazy and Bridget Bardot took her top off to, to protect the seals. And mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, and certain organizations paid people to do things that they wouldn't normally do so that it would be on the front page of papers, like kill a baby seal, which has never been legal. No, it hasn't been legal, it hasn't been legal since, since yeah. the... It's really funny. We uh, ended up doing a, a show on uh, one of the episodes on Trapping Inc. We called it Pizza Money, and it was about ermine. Oh you know, yeah, the the white the nice. white have one hanging up over right there. Yes, the white we <laughs> the little white weasel, because we were getting a lot of um, feedback on YouTube and pe people saying you know because they're little white, they they're saying aren't the babies isn't it illegal not to to kill the the white babies? Yeah, I and I, I I looked at it and then Sandy <laughs> says well they they think that they're baby Martin, 
And I, I oh. you're right. You're right. That's exactly what they think. So so we did this show on, and we called it Pizza Money because at that time it took like three pizza, to, or three three weasels to buy a pizza kind of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we we did this show and explained that these these were adults, and this this is just a unique one of the unique unique things about uh, the ermine is that the, the male the, the adults turn white in the wintertime. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We right. actually have a family that was around here in the winter, and I got a I got a picture of him sitting on the step, and he was brown he was brown with the white this yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was it it, it was just a, a neat thing, but to to uh, show. But everybody knows that you know that those seals, the baby seals, are they're white and and yeah. that it's not legal to to kill them. Oh, but it's that's a funny story. If you have ever heard of Bob Wat, uh, Watson, what is, what is his name? I don't Some, know his name. I'm not uh, good at that. Watson. He's part of one of the Sea Shepherd things and people that are uh, campaigning uh, to stop the seal hunts and stuff. Will Paul Watson? Yeah, Paul That's Watson. Yeah. Uh, he will publicly admit that they use seals instead of the whales or the rainforest or anything else because seals, everybody sees them crying because they, they have that layer of salinity in their eyes so that they don't freeze shut when they're, when they're little pups. Yeah. Um, so people think that they're crying. So yeah. it's easy to make people cry for the crying seals. So yeah. they pick on the seal industry because they can make the most money in their pockets. Oh, I know. Because this money, these people don't realize when they're supporting these organizations, this money is all going right into these people's pockets. You know, they say they're yeah. not getting paid, but, <laughs> you know... They drive, they've got nice boats and stuff, right? <laughs> I, I, Where do they get the boats they've from? They've got fast boats to cruise around into international waters and get, you know, run away from the law, right? Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of bad, bad propaganda and stuff out there that, you know, people, we, we need to educate people more. Oh, absolutely. Right? And, and, and the worst part of, about it is, is that they, they have, they have uh, motivated a bunch of people. I, I like to call them slacktivists. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, because they, 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 they're activists, but they don't actually ever do anything. They just get on the internet and they pound away at stuff yeah. And, yeah. And, and they, they stir a ruckus and they threaten to never buy another, you know, another uh, cup of coffee fr from from McDonald's, even though they don't drink coffee. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, they, 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 they get their way through throwing these tantrums while all the while being un uneducated. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean. Seal fur is an absolutely phenomenal fur. I see you got a pair of seal oh, boots I love on. It. Don't yeah. we sell them? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got a seal coat. I wear it nonstop. Yeah, that's something I'm going to get. I'm it's gonna, warm. Yeah, it's, it's, I, it's natural. I, I just can't believe how yeah. nice it is. I always thought it was a lot more bristly. It, this, it, some of them are. You know, there's different types. Um, of course, we can't uh, have the Alaskan seal, which is yeah. the nice and soft ones. But actually, the uh, I actually like the South African fur seal. It's very, very soft. South African? Yes. Yeah. I didn't even know there was one. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah, I could show you. We have, uh, in Canada, the two major are the ring and the, and the harp. Yeah. 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 And then there's there are, there are several other species that are, you know, not talked about as much, like the elephant and elephant seal and stuff like that. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, some of these... These other types of seals are are their pelts are harvestable and usable as well. Yeah, well, I was up in the right right up on the Arctic Ocean, and uh, the fellow that I was up there trapping with, he had shot an ugaruk. I think I, I hope I, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. A bearded seal. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 It weighed like six hundred and something yeah. pounds. Wow. It was just monstrous. Yeah. Imagine right. the meat they get from that. Yeah. And yeah. The blubber that <laughs> you know that they live on that all year though for those people. The, and that's that's the biggest crime of all of this with with, with what they did with the uh, the protest about the about the um, the seal harvest was the fact that it destroyed the Inuits um, industry. You mm -hmm. know, like I mean, oh, they yeah. were, their they way were of always, life. They were harvesting those animals for for food, and then yeah. then then being able to sell the hides. Well, when they absolutely shut down all, all import of it into the European Union and all that, well, mm -hmm. that that hurt them the most. You know. Yeah. I mean, uh, I heard. Uh, people that need it the most. I was reading the uh, healthy population out on the East Coast is supposed to be somewhere around 6 million. And the population as of 5, 10 years ago was over 15 million. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you want to bring back cod industries, like, we better start. Oh, know, uh, yeah. 
Um, I mean, there's some, you know, that's the thing about trappers and people that are in the fur trade is we're all the biggest conservators and, and, and environmentalists that there are out there because we're, we're trapping and, and hunting what's in surplus. Like say last year, ducks weren't in surplus. So I hunted a lot of geese, Yeah. right? So if the ducks are low, we hunt geese. If the, you know, same in trapping. If, 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 if the seal populations were low, they would, you know, shut it down for a while. Well, everybody likes to argue though, that, that man upset the balance. Well, man has been part of the balance for We're an animal yeah. in that. We're in an animal. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. They show you that in school in like grade three, the pyramid. <laughs> kind of around the top. But you, you could tell it. <laughs> Us guys, we, by grade three, we're still not paying attention. So. Yeah, I uh, think it's great. Too. All I, I can think about in school was hunting. I didn't start hunting until time. after I met him. I never hunted before. Uh, well, really? You'd no. be like Sandy. She she discovered uh, that I was a hunter and fisherman uh, two days after we got married. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then you just handed you over the gun cabinet keys, right? Yeah, uh, no. I, <laughs> then she, she decided, well, she better... She better get with us, or she was, wasn't going to get to know me. So yeah, she got. That's how yeah. she got involved. But yeah, it I was, used to get a kick out of watching some of your early. Uh, it was outdoor. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah some of the early uh, stuff when you guys were first getting into it, and then, and it was neat watching watching you guys grow as a couple. Like, and I've been well, geez, that must have been twenty years ago. You guys started that. Yeah, stuff. we did. It was. It was and, twenty and years so, ago. Geez, you just want to like <laughs> shut him up now, right? Yeah, I was pretty. I, I was pretty young watching that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Well, well, yeah. I, right. could, I, I can maybe claim to be a good influence then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, you're a nice Canadian couple out there just keeping yeah. it in, showing the way it is without, you know, you had some baubles and, you know, maybe if didn't act the right way, if, you guys just didn't bother. You were you yourselves. Just, yourselves and yeah. you, you didn't have to run it by the script. And uh, yeah. that was kind of, you don't see a lot of shows like that. Every, a lot of shows are all just scripted and. Oh, you know. yeah, no, there's mm-hmm. there's no script because the da- most dangerous thing is that nobody ever knows what's ever going to fall out of my mouth when I open it. So <laughs> yeah, awesome. exactly. that's why we yeah. watch your show. Yeah. But <laughs> With uh, uh, me being uh, the reason I was saying that I might have been a good influence is because my mom said I would never be a good influence on oh. anybody. So <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of proud of that moment. Well, he uh, got me into watching your show, but he also got me into hunting. I like to shoot guns. I was an army cadet, so I like to shoot. Oh, good. But I I didn't know if I could shoot an animal, and then once I did, I well, my first time out, I got what six decoys, <laughs> six decoys, eight ducks and a goose. There you so go. I did good. But, uh, you know, the six decoys were a little bit. My friends, not uh, there. <laughs> my friends that, I, oh, my friends, well, I said, oh, can I bring my wife out? And they're like, well, we don't we don't hunt with women. Oh, really? And I said, well. My woman, my my wife is kind of like a tomboy, so they said, oh, "Okay, bring her out." <laughs> right? So I brought her out, and she's out there getting dirty with us and shooting ducks and having a good time. And then they they named her the Quack Addict. Oh, so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> she's the Quack Addict. Yeah. yeah, that's what they call me—a little Quack Addict. Good, good. So, where is fur going today? What is you know the number one product? Are we getting back into into traditional uh, coats? I see. A, looking around here, I see a lot of a lot of shearing, a lot of colors, um, a yes, lot of. Finally. Uh, <laughs> I, I see a, a lot of accessories too. Lots of accessories. Yeah. That's your big thing. Your accessories, um, your brighter colors. The younger generations are, are coming to fur because it's biodegradable. It's environmentally friendly renewable they understand the whole farming thing um it's kind of fun watching a 20 year old come in the store talking to their 40 something year old mom which is my generation and going no mom you're wrong this is good like you know and the mom will say well it's farmed and that's horrible and they'll say well you know if you actually looked on google you'd find out that it's not that bad or we've had vegans come in here and ask me how I can work in a place like this. And by the time they leave, they're kind of, thank you. Like, you know, I, I appreciate that. And there's great websites out there for, for finding out the truth about fur. Yeah. Like, and, and that's really what it is, is the younger generations are understanding the truth about fur. So they want to see the color. 
They want to see the accessories. They like funky. You still need your classic ones because your older people want the classic thing. But yes. Lots of accessories, hats, yeah. mitts. I mean, Lyle makes these these gauntlet mitts, and we can't keep up with that. Yeah. They've got sheared beaver inside. They're pretty nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the thing is, is, there is so much fur out there that uh, people don't even realize it's in front of them. Um, it's changed so much, the colors, the the lightness, and... I mean, furs, it's its all over the place. So much trim, people with fur. We do a lot of taking the faux fur out and making a new collar for people yeah. on their coats and jackets. and um, Completely changing the cuffs, look of something. Making cuffs, doing all that kind of stuff just for accessories. Yes, yes. And so here, um, you obviously you do a lot of cleaning, a lot of service work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And you store in, you have a vault that you we store We have a fur vault that we store stuff in. We do our own cleaning. We do our own repairs. Uh, we're one of the few that has their fur vault on site. A lot of people now, it'll be a couple furriers that have gone together on a vault. And they have to drive across town because that's where it is in an industrial area somewhere. And then they, they get their vault. So their customers need to give them a couple days notice where ours is right here. So we've got a... Like Sandy has a, a couple of fur coats, and the one is a uh, um, an antique handed down to her from her from her aunt, and it's uh, mink and, and fox ranched, I believe. Mm -hmm. But what is the proper care and consideration for a coat like that? Do you want to answer that? Biggest thing is to keep it in storage. In um, the summertime. In the summertime, in the summer months when it's when it's too warm for the skins. And when you say storage, you are talking about... Like first storage in, in something like our vault, which is, she knows the numbers a lot. It's kept between 3 and 7 degrees Celsius. It's 56 to 66% humidity, and it's dark. So it's cold, it's damp. We can last about 20 minutes in the vault when we're working in there before we got to come out. Like, I'm the only person in the middle of July that'll come running up from downstairs, turn the kettle on to make a hot chocolate. Because I'm freezing, <laughs> even though I have my fur coat on when I'm in there. But it, it comes up through your feet, and it's, it's just cold. Okay. After half an hour, you're holding a pen like <laughs> this, because you can no longer hold it. Your hand is too cold. But it's the humidity and the cold temperature mix that keeps the optimum prime what you want to use. To keep your skins the best. Like my mom's coat's 40 years old. You'd never know it. Okay. So um, that, that that's number one. Yeah. Yep. Consideration. And bring it in for cleaning and, and glazing every second year is what we recommend. Every yeah. second yep. year. Now, cleaning, how, how, how do you clean them? Um, it's a four-stage process. It goes in one drum. You use crushed shells and you use a fur cleaner and a fur glaze. Um, you mix that together. You can only put, depending on the size of your drums, depends how many coats you can put in. We can put in three jackets in one of our drums or two coats because of the weight. Right. So they go in, they tumble for a while, then they switch to another drum where they get everything gets shaken out of them because the drum's got like a screen that, where everything yes. can come back out. Then it goes into another third drum where all six of those items will go if you're doing jackets because we have two drums back there. So we can join them together in the big drum where air flows through it and it goes through there for quite a while and when it comes out of there it's best way to describe it would be like a wet dog but it's dry yeah. so the fur is kind of all over the place and messy then from there it'll go downstairs where it'll get brushed out that's and glazed with the steam there. and that's his job because it's labor intensive and i'm not doing it <laughs> It takes a special it's, touch, it's, too. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's definitely a learned process. Yeah. It has you use a, a brush and you use a stick. And my dad will even say it, and I'll say it as a girl, our wrists don't bend the same way as a guy. So at the end, you have this little flick, and if you don't flick it right, you get a line right across the fur. Yeah. And most girls will have that line. Guys won't. Really? It's all in how you flick that wrist at the end. It's, it is. It's labor. I've done it. I've had to do it. That's and fascinating. When he started yeah. doing fur, he became the glazer. <laughs> so now the glaze is already in at that point? Or do you add yeah, more? Yeah, the glaze gets put in when you're cleaning it. In you the clean, cleaning. Yeah, okay. you, yeah, you use a clean and glaze solution. But then you use the steam to activate it when you're downstairs. Oh, okay. So I'll brush it, then I'll steam it. 
Then I'm going to stand the hairs up the wrong way right. against the grain, and then I lay them flat again. And then that is as close to coming off the animal as you're going to see the, the, the fur in, in, its, uh, you know, yeah. in its prime state. That's fascinating. After, after I've glazed it. Because I know with taxidermists, when they do a mount in that, they actually blow it out. They don't, they, mm-hmm. they don't, none of them would oh, know we how do, to. We do blow it out for the big this, drum. Yeah. Oh, okay. It gets blown out. We blow all the pockets. and Yeah, we make sure that there's no crushed shells left in the coat anywhere. Right. So we use an, an air hose after the third drum. I kind of miss that step, I guess. Yep, it's in there. So you yeah. blow it out before it goes downstairs to get glazed. And that really makes the hair look messy. <laughs> It's brutal. <laughs> and then I get to make it look all pretty. Yeah. So what kind of shells? Just crushed shells. I have no idea. It comes in a big bag. Walnut? I, I believe. Wa- that I want mostly walnut, I yeah. believe. Yeah. Because okay. that would give you more sheen. The okay. walnut, the oil in the walnut, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, would help, yeah. it um, would help move the glaze throughout all the fur. Yeah. Like you use crushed walnut shells and for so many things, like cleaning brass even when you're, yeah. when you're reloading. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. I I, I wasn't aware that it, that the cleaning was was such a yep. such a labor intensive. From process. start to finish, it takes about four and a half hours. Wow. Yeah, because it's in the the three stages of the drums, and you got to blow it out, and it goes downstairs, and you got to brush it, then you use the stick all backwards, and then you put it all back nice and pretty. But it looks kind of nice, like when you've put your uh, muskrats in the sawdust. I've seen your show where yeah. you do it in the. And and after it comes out, after you shake, like when you do that with the fur afterwards, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of what the glazing looks like afterwards. Except oh, cool. it will have more of a. Sh- it'll bring out the natural oil color, whereas oh, yeah. the sawdust is gonna it's gonna dim it a little bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking for it to be dry. So yes. That exactly. When I yeah. put it on the board. Yeah. That it still has loft because if yep. it's wet, it's it's matted. It's like a yep. gray piece of paper on a uh-huh. on a white piece yeah. of paper. But yeah, you're, that's a, that's an awesome trick you you had there that's with cool. that. It's, I like when you pull it out and you went like this and you're showing everybody the fur. It's just poof. Yeah. Well, you'd appreciate that being yep. being a furrier, yeah. right? Yep. So, the uh, cleaning and the repairs big big part of business. Yeah. You do you do you. Uh, you make a lot of, of custom uh, uh, accessories and gloves mm-hmm. uh, or, or gauntlets. Do you make coats as well? You mostly do remodels. Uh, mostly remodels, yeah. Um, I mean, I have the capability to make the new coats and work with the new skins, which is actually, it's it can be a little bit easier than doing the remodels because with the remodels, you're working with the skins that are, already been put into a coat and already designed one way now I have to try and take those skins and put them in a different way and recreate everything and change colors or change the length and um or the new coats style new coats it's kind of oh I can slap that on there and cut here cut here that's mostly what you do but we also do stuff for trappers okay where they'll bring in a beaver skin or they'll bring in the sheared beaver or They'll bring in all their coyote skins or whatever, and then he can make a coat out of that for them. And hats. If people have their own skins, we can make it here. Right. But to do all the inventory in the store, it's not worth his time to do all of that. Like, yeah. He's got way many other things to yeah. do, like lace <laughs> coats, because I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, in reality, we deal with, I mean, pretty much... Uh, a great big, a huge aspect of of a fur business. I mean, we're, we've like I say, we've got the cleaning and the storage and the repairs, and we also um, do leather repairs um, as well. We we've pretty much got a store that's a bigger factory than even what you see in 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 Montreal. I've got more more machines and more capabilities, and I want to you know, grow the business where we have to pack that basement out with uh, furriers and finishers working hard like it used to be in here. Oh, that's cool. Yep. That's cool. It's yeah. It's, um, so what fur is hot right now? Hall fur is hot, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's, what's popular? Mink, what's... Is, mink is always going to be your popular fur because it's not too long. It's not too short. Um, now, that being said, it depends if you're talking to a male or a female. Oh, okay. Um, most women love the sheared fur because it's doesn't make us look poofy it's more slim fitting it, it's guys so like that's that's guys why like is poofy for, women though. i know i mean come on but you know men will come in and the first <laughs> thing they'll do is go to the raccoon coat yeah. 
or the Cayuse coat or the fox coat. And they'll be, I want to buy this for my wife. That's the traditional fur coat you bought your wife. The yeah. Poofy, make everybody know that your wife has fur and you spent a lot of money on her. Whereas now we can be subtle if we want. Yeah. yeah. And that's why so many people don't realize there's fur out there because so much of it is sheared that they think it's just the trim. Wow. And the rest of the coat is fur, but it's sheared. But the, the sheared fur is also lighter to wear. It, yeah. it tends to move with you more. So it makes you feel good. So, you know, a lot of women will come in at storage time. They'll be like, I don't know why my husband bought me this fluffy coat. You know? <laughs> but, and then you'll, you'll watch it. And within a couple of years, the husband's back in. And he goes, well, the wife said you sh- she saw a coat. And that you'd know what it is. And it'll be something sheared for sure. <laughs> well, I tell you what, shearing and, and dyeing has, has reborn the, the beaver industry. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for so one soft. thing, beaver, <laughs> beaver fur is heavy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> those, 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 those skins are heavy. You make a, a jacket or whatever with it. And, uh, but you know, it, it's, it's so heavy that you're warm just packing it around. <laughs> the, the shearing, like we, you guys are, are doing a, a blanket for us right now. We, we took and, uh. Uh, kept a bunch of our, our best winter skins and that, and we had them uh, uh, tanned, plucked, and sheared. And then we brought them to you to, to make a, a blanket for our king-size bed. Uh, we're excited about it, but that is just, if you can imagine, like half-inch thick crushed velvet. All I need yeah. is Elvis painted on it, man, and nobody would know the difference, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, is, it is soft. It yep. is, it yeah. is unbelievable. They, yes. they originally started shearing the beaver to try to imitate the Alaskan fur seal, right? Mm, yes. Yeah. Really? That's how it started. That's how shearing all started was when the, when the seal industry was being stopped, the Alaskan seal, and there is one in, one or two in the vault, and... You can close your eyes and run your hand over it, and you won't even know you touched it. It's that soft. So they started shearing beaver to imitate that, and then they started shearing other furs to try and imitate to find out what was going to be the best, closest to the Alaskan seal. Oh, really? I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't aware of the, yeah. of the Alaskan. I know, I know the sea otter uh, has the densest fur in the world. Mm-hmm. Like chinchilla has like 600 hairs come out of every follicle, right? And uh, the sea otter is like 21 or 2300 mm-hmm. out of every follicle. It is so dense that they never actually get wet. Even though they spend their life in the water time, in the water, they never actually get wet. The water doesn't wow. penetrate. <laughs> that's that's one we don't see it sheared very often because it's just not sheared very often. But it's mm-hmm. a really, like you say, it's dense, it's heavy. Um, and uh, I wear one uh, and I, I love oh. it. Oh, this is the sea yeah, otter. But the, oh, the yeah, sea you otter, wear yeah. the otter otter. R- river otter. otters. Yeah. River otter is a pale comparison. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the, and the, you won't see much sea otter because I believe only the only the uh, natives can now. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah, can, can trap them and that they've they've yeah. made a huge comeback. I mean, the one time they were they were they were hunted right to the the end of their existence, mm-hmm. but they they can run 60, 70 pounds, like yeah. twice the size of wow. of a river otter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but very, very soft. So the shearing and the color, I mean, I, I also love how, uh, how you know, you're doing a lot more pattern, patterns now. You know, you look at the, at, at the stuff, a lot more of play uh, on the, uh, the c- contrast in colors, the contrast in grains and that, that kind of thing, right? For sure. It's way more fun now. <laughs> I remember as a kid walking in the store and there'd be like 20 of the same coat. The only thing different was the trim. Right. You know, it would have a different collar or a different colored collar. And it was always brown, black, light brown, or pale brown. There was never, you know, pink or blue or burgundy or green. And it's awesome that there's colors now. It's just, it's that, I think that's what makes fur coming back. Yeah. Is part of it is that there's color behind it now. It's not just brown or black. And is it perhaps because a lot of people don't even know what it is that they're? Yeah. Do you think? Do you think there's that? That's that, part of it. That, yeah. So is it that the person wearing it doesn't know, or is it that nobody else knows, but the person wearing it knows what it is? Uh, um, not all the not time. All the For time, instance, no. in Montreal, I stopped a girl because she had a gorgeous, gorgeous fin raccoon collar, like you know, like this thing was fluffy, fluffy, fluffy. 
Robbie. Kind of like that one over there. And I stopped her and he said, that's gorgeous. I'm, I'm glad that you're wearing fur and, and, and it's gorgeous to see. And she was almost horribly uh, offended. Offended, yeah. I'm not she, wearing fur. She, no, no, she did. No, no, it's not real. Oh, it's really? not real fur. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. <laughs> um, we've had people come in the store saying, I don't like fur, but we look at the fox trim on their you know the purple fox trim on their on their coat is sure real <laughs> right yeah. so well, people that's probably though like i mean because people think of it only in the natural right mm-hmm. they don't think of it in the color you know the, the and the colors and it, how what what's involved in doing that like i mean it is it is remarkable because i'm looking at a a, a pink jacket over there and yeah. and i mean literally it is light pink and it is absolutely uniform. Like, how, how do they get those? Th- so just kind of like doing your hair, right? When when a oh, woman yeah, goes and gets, I know about not that. yours, but when a woman goes, and that's partially why I could work in this industry, I do hair, right? But when they go in, it's going to get bleached out. And that, you need to make sure when you're bleaching something out that it is uniform. And as long as you have that uniform bleach out job, then when you add a color to it, it's going to be the same, and it'll be uniform. Some things they don't bleach out. Like sometimes they'll take a demi buff mink and they'll dye it blue, and you get almost like a denim color out of it. Ooh, like it's yeah, it's really nice, colors. but um, it also picks up all the other different colors because you haven't bleached all of that out. Right. Um, you know, like the fuchsia pink bunny that's over there. That's been it's made of rabbit and it's been bleached out, and then the fuchsia's been added, and then it's been all sewn together, and that's kind of and, and rinsed, so it's it's a process for sure. I was told that, that one of the reasons there was two reasons why Martin or or Sable was was so popular for fur for fur coats and that was one that it's really it takes it takes dye really really well. It does. So it's very easy because and it's it's not really even though it's classified as a long long hair it's not really a long hair and it has very light leather so it makes a very lightweight coat. It does. Yeah. Um, it's also a very expensive coat. Yeah. <laughs> we have the, the Pine Martin and the Rock Martin. Yeah. Stone Martin, sorry, are two yeah. different Martins that yeah. we have. Um, that they call sable. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's usually the stone is, is the sable. And uh, the pines actually end up mostly in uh, high-end paintbrushes. Which we don't see a lot. You don't see a lot of pine martin coats. You'll see, you'll see martin, but it'll usually be a stone martin, which is our version of uh, Russian sable. So it's Canadian sable. Oh, okay. When we when when, when our martin go to go to auction, that's what uh, we I, like. I know that the tails, that's what the tails are used for. Was for is for for artist brushes, artist mm-hmm. yeah. brushes. Same thing with Fisher. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, it's uh, when when they put them up, they they call them all sable at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and they're all all sold as as sable. Mm-hmm. The uh, the coyote, the coyote craze has that hit here. Has that hit for you guys? Is there much demand? I know that coyote is, <sighs> and they use just a strip of it on the Canada goose jacket. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, they use just a strip of. Ri- they use a lot of pieces that they've sewn together too. We've taken a lot of them apart and put nice full coyote trim on yeah um, we've done that on quite a few different jackets yeah they um, they put quite the demand on the coyote industry and in, in, in it's Canada, hard when somebody so. wants a coyote coat if they don't have their own skins i mean we're scrambling trying to find the skins yeah 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 it takes it takes a little bit of work to find some skins because it's that one company is buying so many of them that it's, it's hard to get the skins like we have one coyote coat in the store <laughs> as as a uh, as a trapper, I'm 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 happy that they're buying. <laughs> well, absolutely, no, it's a good thing. I'm absolutely, it's great because one, it gets fur out there that much more, but it is harder to get a coat coat like an, yeah. of, of new skins. Do a lot of remodels on them, right? Change change dad's coat into one for son, or make it shorter. Um, add some length to the sleeves because I'm taller than dad or, yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. We, we do a lot of touching up of coyote coats. So that brings up a, a, a pretty interesting question. Then how do you, if you 
somebody wants fur? How, how do you how do you acquire that? Do you do you have somebody buy at the auction for you, or or do you go to a, a tannery? Um, or? Well, there's a, a fur guy around here that I'll call because I know he gets them dressed. And there's a huge difference if you're going to use something in in our industry. You want it to be dressed. Yes. You don't want it to be tanned. Um, so well, tell me the difference then. I'm not. I, um, I wasn't aware here. Dressed is. Uh, Usually sent off to Winnipeg or Montreal, um, and they they do. Uh, and I don't know the exact process, but it comes out a lot softer, a lot more supple. When and it gets tan. wet, garment tan, garment yeah. quality. That's yeah. what they call in our industry. We call that fur dressing. Oh, okay, okay. So for the garment tan, um, but for the other tan, when the snow hits it, if you just get it tanned, a lot of times when the snow hits it, there's a very foul smell that comes from that fur. Oh. And so people don't like that. No. <laughs> a, a woman doesn't want to smell funny when she's walking down the street. A lot it's, of times it's a very urine smell, so it's, yeah, it's, it's not very nice. As <laughs> somebody who's skinned a lot of coyotes, the last thing you want to do is smell like a wet coyote, let me tell you. <laughs> right, right, yeah. So you do you do want to get it done for garment quality. That's important. Mm. I know. I, I, yeah. I've had sent all my stuff for years to International in Winnipeg there. And that's... One of the that's where we yeah. tell everybody to send their stuff to. Yeah, they they do yeah. an awesome job. And they've been around a long time. They're a great Canadian company too. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. No so, question. And it's less distance for your shipping and everything else. It's not that hard to do. Yeah. Yeah. So I know one thing that has has changed though is like the the cost of uh, you know because of labor it's so labor intensive the cost of of tanning has gone up a long way. Oh yeah, yeah, you know? it has. Yeah. Yeah, because you could you can. Be into a you know into a beaver skin for a hundred bucks in a hurry. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. That's why when by the time like you know I see the price because we are part of the Alberta Trappers Association as well, we see the price that the trappers are getting for it, and then we're also part of NAFA, so we see the price that we have to pay for it. If I can't get it from a trapper or or somebody down at a, at this level, then I start calling manufacturers for fur. And, of course, they've paid out their money. They want their profit. So now I have to pay for their profit. So then when I get that skin, now I need to make some money on that skin. So mm -hmm. from a trapper's point, we always get asked, how come a coat costs so much? Well, you sell it, then it gets dressed, then it gets bought. So all these different people are buying it along the way. Everybody wants yeah. their profit. And by the time, like, for a mink skin, you know, a mink is only this long, but we can have it six feet long because they do what's called letting it out. And he can explain that process a lot better than I can. That's more of a furrier thing, how they let out fur and they, they make a, a four foot skin turn into six feet or seven feet skin. If that's what they need to do. We're taking width and we're dropping it into length. Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's that malleable. Yes. If the skins are moved around and cut properly. I'm also called a cutter. A furrier is also called a cutter because we have to know how to cut the fur properly. If you don't cut the fur properly, your lines will, will you know, they'll show when you sew. Because if you don't cut properly, you might cut some of the hairs and that can leave a mark in the fur. It takes a trained eye to know if it's if it's been cut properly or even sewn Absolutely. properly. Absolutely. That's yep. fascinating. I have to come spend some time with you when you're sewing in that. Just because... I'm I'm a builder by trade, so I mean anything that you know mechanical. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I just I, I love to learn about right. Yep, that's why I fit in here too, because I've I've always been in the construction industry and been kind of a jack of all trades, and I like mechanical machines and trying to fix things that are fix problems on machines, and it's like okay, just a little oil there and fixes the problem sometimes, <laughs> right? A little oil is good, long ways. See, as a finisher, I have everything. He can build the coat, but somebody has to do the lining, put it back in, put the shoulder pads in, put everything else in, and that's what, what I do on my end. But he does these crazy things where the fur is fur side down. Like when he makes a bear, it's all fur side down, and he's patterning out all this stuff and putting the fur out. And then it, it comes out, and you don't know where he sewed. And for me, it's like, how do you do that backwards? Like the fur is always down. Yeah. And I... My dad, same thing, and him. They're both, well, it's easy. It's 
No, no. My brain just it. doesn't think that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, just, I don't know how they get both halves the same. I don't know how they do that kind of stuff. It's crazy because the fur is down. They're just looking at the skin when they're making stuff. But he can, like, he, he, can, he can see the reverse image yeah. in his yeah. head. So, yeah. It's crazy. Read the back of the skin. Yeah. It's, it's, a nice, it's a nice talent to have. So are, where is the furry industry going? Is it, are we making a comeback? Are there going to be more furriers? Or? I'm thinking we are. I mean, you look on the internet. You look on Instagram and stuff. You see a lot of younger people over in Europe, too, becoming furriers. Um, you're friends with somebody in England that's a furrier. Oh, yeah, over in England. Yeah. yeah, that you chat with. and. Um, there's a lot of education going on, uh, especially over in Europe. Um, the access yeah. for the furriers. I mean, the, the furriers, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of furriers over in Europe. Uh, Canada, in Canada, there are a lot uh, few and far between. Yeah. yeah. I mean, in Alberta, there's probably, what, maybe three people that can do uh, some of the stuff I do. Are there three furriers in Alberta? Maybe, if we're lucky. Uh, uh, a couple three, of them are retired. Four. I know another one's retiring. Yeah. Yeah, there's not too and many left in Alberta. I, I know there's nobody in Saskatchewan. No, there's nobody in Saskatchewan. We do a lot of Saskatchewan repairs. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked to, when I when I learned that because, I mean, we, you know, we were raised with fur. We were, we were raised in the life. We were, you know, we, God, we were, I was 18 before I ever ate farm-raised beef, you know what I mean? And <laughs> it was, uh, so I thought everybody did this stuff. <laughs> when I started learning that, that they didn't, I, it was shocking. And uh, then, I don't know. It's got to be four or five years ago now. I, I, I discovered there wasn't even a single furrier in in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And I was like, that's actually really sad. Yeah. I, I it is sad because that's where my dad started back in the 60s. 60s? 50s? Somewhere in there. Early 60s. He started in Saskatoon at Stevens Furs and went to another place. And he ended up in Edmonton. And he ended up with the Bay. And then he ended up in Calgary. And he was here. So, yeah. But from Calgary, he was a regional manager for Western Canada for the Hudson Bay Company yeah. until until they finished furs. And then he came here. That's so cool. It's a long time, but I was really surprised that there's nothing left in Saskatchewan because it's so cold. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. I mean, we, you know, we... We service them. And oh, yeah, we do. We do a lot of work for Saskatchewan. Absolutely. It's funny because the weather is what drives fur sales in, in Asia, yeah. in Russia. It's the cold. And I don't know, does the cold drive it here in Alberta? Or we oh, just used to living with it. And we, just, and we definitely notice a difference when there's a cold winter versus a warm winter in sales. Oh, really? Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. When When we have a good cold winter, we have a great year. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> so, so this year's, year's, year's off to open. <laughs> this year's off to a flag start, huh? For sure. And I mean, I've always loved winter. Like, fall and winter are my favorite. We just set a record, you know? uh, a record for the for snowfall for September. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This <I know>, right? <laughs> is that wonderful. <laughs> Normally, we're want, we're wanting the snow for uh, for hunting, so we can hunt the big game, right? See yeah. the big game moving, but it's it's coming early this year, so. Sad I mean, for the trick or treaters, but I like it. Oh, it smells come on. so nice and it's has crisp and it's. I don't know. I like winter. Has there ever <laughs> been a Halloween where, where where the kid didn't have a snowsuit over top of his Halloween <laughs> costume? I mean, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Not a lot, but <laughs> I know I know that's way way it's always been for our kids. So uh, grandkids now too. That makes it more fun though. <laughs> trying to move in that costume and look cool, but you can't really move because your mom's got like 10 layers of clothes on underneath. Yeah. I used to, I used to hate winter because I was a cold person all the time. And, uh, that's true. I forgot about My that. life's almost done a complete 180. I, I love winter and almost don't like the heat in the summer now because, uh, uh, just how my body reacts to the fur and, you know, controlling my temperature with fur all the time is, is... plus I'm also a chronic pain sufferer. So I find that uh, keeping the, the body warm, uh, the fur keeps your core warmer longer than if you don't wear the fur. 
and I find that helps with my pain and keeps me happier. <laughs> That's I, you know, it's an, it's an absolutely amazing product. You will never, ever, I don't care what anybody wants to say, there is nothing made or invented to this day that is that competes with fur. For for the the heat units or for the for the weight incomparable. There's just mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. Yep. No, there isn't. I mean, leather blocks your wind. Yeah. But after minus twenty, leather it does, I don't care how much you got on, it's cold. Yeah. You know, fur blocks the wind and keeps you warm and you're not shivering and I forgot how much you didn't like winter when I met you and how much you used to tell me, How can you like winter? Like what's wrong with you? Like you know, winter's <laughs> cold and then my dad gave him a coyote coat. And he went outside, and he came back in, and it was minus 30. And my, and he was walking the dog, and that's why my dad gave you the coyote coat, because he's freezing. And my dad's like, why don't you go downstairs, and, and could you bring me up those coyote coats down there for me? And there were some old coats that had been around, and tried them on Lyle, and one fit Lyle, and Lyle's like, hmm. Dad, and my dad said, what do you think of that? And he says, oh, it fits, feels good. And he goes, good, you can have that one. He goes, but go outside for a minute. And he had just come in from walking the dog, so he was kind of cold. And he went outside, and he comes back in, and he's like, it feels balmy out there. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never forget that part. But, yeah, I totally forgot you didn't like winter. (laughs) Well, it's weird, because I almost dress like summer most of the time in the winter, and just, you know, I'll have, you know, maybe one shirt, and not usually a sweater, and then just a fur coat. Yeah, and that's it. So I really like the way it regulates your body temperature. Yeah, people that talk about layering don't have fur. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Yeah, you don't have to layer with fur. There's two layers. (laughs) There's there's your skin and there's the fur. (laughs) People who are looking for fur or have fur, what is the, the? Each give me your your number one piece of advice if they're considering buying. What would be a a a good piece of advice? Or for maintaining? Um, well, if you're considering buying, make sure you have somebody help you with your fit. Because fur has absolutely zero give. There's no stretch. There's no nothing. Please don't think about a number because we use a dressmaker size. We don't use designer sizes. So there's no such thing as size 2. There's oh. no, you know, like it's it's a real woman's size. You get your size 10, your size 12, and all the way up to 20, whatever. Um, but we're, we're using a tape measure. For your sizes so don't look at the number of the size and make sure that somebody is there to make sure that your fit is correct so that you're not ripping it so that you get to enjoy it and then from there you want to make sure that you store it in the summertime like there's a little bit of maintenance just like your car okay you know your car needs an oil change your fur needs to go into storage in the summertime needs to get clean the fur council tells you every year my dad says every two years is fine he's been in this long enough i trust him my mom's coat's over 40 years old. You'd never know it. Okay. Um, I'm going to wear it. <laughs> it's going to be warm. I will remodel it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he will remodel it because, unfortunately, I lost my mom a couple years ago. But, um, yeah, we're going we're gonna to make that a more youthful coat, hey? Yeah, we'll have fun. There's something we forgot to mention, too, was uh, we were talking about earlier about true facts about fur and stuff uh is it i think we should mention maybe truthaboutfur.com is a really good place to get questions educated yeah questions and answers uh, uh, about how the industry really is yes um they they can answer every aspect from the trappers all the way up to the the retailers and the furriers like us everything in between yes i absolutely and i mean it's all about education it, it's it's amazing because when we started this show, uh, when we started Trapping Inc., everybody said, there's not enough trappers to make it viable. And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I wanted to try because I, I know that, uh, you know, we were getting a bunch of feedback. Some of the projects that we were doing on YouTube, we were getting a ton of feedback on, and it was trapping that we, that we were doing. And so I, I wanted to, to do it. Well, now we've discovered that 80% of our fans aren't trappers. Yeah, you know, they're just they're they're people that are. They're not even all outdoors people. They're just people who are interested in it, yeah. right? So it's, it's fascinating that way. So in it's it's really cool because lots of times when you know uh, if you go to your local uh, fish and game association and that and you talk about the antis or whatever, you're you're preaching to the choir, right? You know, you're, you you yeah. haven't got outside. Well, when eighty percent of my people aren't trappers, yeah, 
I'm not preaching to the choir. I'm out in Main Street yeah. preaching. I'm 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 outside of the church. So I find that fascinating. And and we yeah we have a gigantic audience, and it's just because that uh, it, it's fascinating. People you know people want to know more about the life. Want to know more about about how it's done and to debunk all of the things that Peter he's used against us for years. Mm-hmm. And that gives me very indeed a lot of pleasure. Well, yes. and you and Sandy do a great job of being just everyday people out there. And people don't see that on TV. You know, there's all these reality shows, but there's still a lot of script to that reality show. Yeah, there's... you got to follow that. You guys are just yep. yourselves. You're how you are. Like, yep. And that's what makes your show so good. And trappers are trappers. They're, they're a different you, breed. You can't, you can't <laughs> change them, and they're really good, wholesome people. Um, they're, yeah. like, yep. they're like a great farmer. You know, it's, they're, they're country people. And that's hard to beat. Yeah, that's true. Well, I want to thank you folks for taking time on a busy evening. And you uh, stayed late just to be able to talk to me and and, and all of our fans. Uh, It has been a pleasure. I love your store. Um, I've spent some money here. I, I, I know I've been told i got to spend some more. So <laughs> <laughs> I can help you. Oh, look at I still have my thimble on it. <laughs> I can help you spend money for yeah. sure, anytime. <laughs> you can do that. Yeah. It's a dangerous store. Yeah. <laughs> Very dangerous. But it's fun. Yep. And there's something for everyone. We try to do that, too. We try to make it. sure, like, you know, whether it's a little brat for the little three-year-old girl or... The coat for for the lady. There's there's always something in between. Some gloves, some bunnies, baby booties, baby booties. Yeah, those are for, awesome. For I baby love baby booties. booties. <laughs> <laughs> for the baby that has everything. Yeah, yeah. Some <laughs> sheepskin booties. They're so cute. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, and thank you for joining. And maybe we'll see you down the line. Yeah, and thank you guys, and thank you for everything you do for the fur industry and and the trapping industry. Uh, Absolutely. Thank you.